welcome to C-Sessions. I am your host, Randall Broad, and I am very pleased to have two guests here today. One is Aubrey Kelly. She's the CEO of Rabble Health, which is a digital health company, and she happens to reside in Thousand Oaks, California, my old stomping ground. So she's where it's nice and sunny and warm. She's also a 15-year pharma professional, which she turned healthcare entrepreneur in 2020. And what I liked about her is she gave me her professional tagline, pediatric cancer mom by chance, love of science and technology by choice, and an entrepreneur by necessity. It's got a nice ring to it, Aubrey. Thanks, Randy. I, I think so. Also on our show here today, we have the esteemed Erica Hansen-Brown. For those of you that haven't been paying attention or listening in, this is actually her third program with us. So she's obviously doing something correct, but it's nice to have her here. And Erica, founding mayor of Colentown, which is an online community dedicated to improving lives of people with colorectal cancer. And that's how I met her a couple of years ago. We were in DC at the Biden Cancer Moonshot Program. And she just chose me out of the crowd to um, buy her a drink. Here we are. She also, and this is how she's connected with Aubrey, she is co-founder of a nonprofit organization that's co-founded Cancer Hacker Learning Lab. And we'll get more into that as we progress, but I want to start with Aubrey. You've got a pretty interesting story and one that everybody would love to hear a little bit more about. Step us into the life of Aubrey Kelly and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. First off, thank you for having me on the program. Really, really quite honored to be on here. And and thank you to, to Erica and, and certainly you, Randy. Yeah, so my my story is I think one of one of pivot and one of purpose. I came basically a young professional went into biopharma, started off in protein sciences. I'm a nerd uh, by training. <laughs> it's probably the best way to describe it. And I ended up loving business. I went to UCLA Anderson, got my MBA while I was still going to school. And I joked I was a jack of all trades, kind of master of none through a large kind of corporate setting. And so I did everything from regulatory, a little bit of compliance, protein sci uh, sciences, as I had mentioned, and I was spending the, kind of the latter part of my career, just these last few years in the strategy, commercialization and innovation side of the company. Really enjoyed the business kind of critical thinking of how to bring all these disparate parts of an organization uh, together for a common initiative. Which company was this you were working for? I worked at Amgen. Good old Amgen. Good old okay. Amgen, right? Right yeah. down the street. And that's actually what, what brought us to Thousand Oaks. Get away from we, all that LA driving. I know. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Uh, I am a Southern California native, so I, I guess I, I just I come with that territory of understanding the traffic. But working for a pharmaceutical company that does have a, a pretty large oncology portfolio, I have the background in oncology. But in 2017, my son, who was 22 months old at the time, was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. I'm very happy to say that he's doing remarkably well. He's had a pretty amazing journey and happy to go into that. Yeah, give us a little um, bit of background. Eric and I have been down, been on the cancer patient side of things. And I personally, I mean, this is just me, I can't even imagine having your child have to go through this. For me, it was much, it would have been much better me having it than my children. I just can't even imagine what it would be like. Pierce's, Pierce's journey is, was hard. So I, I think 
it is a parent's worst nightmare. I don't think that there's anything that can really prepare you for a cancer diagnosis. When your kid is diagnosed, it's it's just it's just paralyzing. And we were incredibly fortunate. Pierce was essentially uh, we went in hoping that he had mono because he wasn't responding to antibiotics. Uh, and we were told that we were on a going via ambulance to Children's Hospital Los Angeles for possible diagnosis of le- leukemia lymphoma. Wow. When we arrived and after his first of a few surgeries, he was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, which is the more aggressive of the right. pediatric leukemias. He also had leukemia in the spinal fluid, which required chemotherapy, intrathecal chemo, which is basically spinal taps. And in total, uh, his journey was that he was inpatient for 118 days. Oh my gosh. He was on a fast track for a bone marrow transplant. He's had 16 surgeries, 31 platelet transfusions, nine blood transfusions. Wow. And his story is actually, I think, one of the most remarkable things. So we didn't know at the time kind of what the U.S. Bone Marrow Registry was, Be The Match. For anyone who is listening, if you just register on BeTheMatch.com, you can even Google Be The Match Pierce Pierce and do a little cheek swab. But once you're on the registry, you're on it for life. And only one in 420 are ever a match. But if you are, you literally get to save someone's life. There's 42 million people in the U.S. registry, and Pierce did not have a match. Wow, 42 so, million. 42 million. So if he didn't have um, a match in the United States, so I take it this is a global matching? And again, this is all this was all news to us, but it's pretty remarkable to think that the world comes together wow. to save cancer patients. Especially, I mean, in the, especially with what's going on in the world right now. I mean, it, it's really, this is really, really uplifting to hear that there is such a thing as, as, as yeah. this. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. He found a donor. He hmm. did. We were told. That or I should say a match. Was, Would that be the? Yeah, there right? was a, a nine out of nine match. So it's basically, it's matching your immune, like characteristics of your immune system rather than your blood type. So he was a nine out of nine match with a complete stranger to us, a female from France. And Wow. that's um, And so how is his French these days? Is it good? Well, we're working on it, but I think he's really liking cheese uh, and uh, <laughs> good conversation. So By the way, how old is he um, now? He's five. That's so he started. He started kindergarten. He's wearing masks and. Oh my gosh! So doing, they're actually letting him great. go. To, they're going. Yeah. yeah I, th- I thought you guys were completely locked down. Wow. Well, so, good. No, we're we're out in Ventura County. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so, it's L.A. County that's really locked down. I guess. He found a match, and most when you're when you're a donor, actually, the way that you donate nowadays, most of the time, is through apheresis, which is essentially the same kind of processes uh, donating platelets. So you could literally get hooked up to a machine, binge watch on a few Netflix movies and actually save a life. And in Pierce's case, his donor donated. Her marrow was flown over and in 48 hours it was in him. And um, his blood type, well, it is, right? I mean, my husband was in supply chain at the time. So he was, he's also coming from the bio, he works at Amgen. And so he was very curious about the name of the courier that was bringing her blood over. (laughs) (laughs) His blood type has changed to match hers. He was born A positive, same as me, and he's now O negative. Well, that's six. And... If if that doesn't give you a little bit of a 
a boost for humanity. Um, no, it's I a don't wonderful, know what it's will. a wonderful story, <laughs> and I appreciate you sharing it. And I can't even imagine what all you must have all gone through based upon how many treatments and what he's been through, and especially at that age. So it's remarkable. We are talking now about Rabble Health and its acceleration into where it is today. So again, Aubrey, why don't you, why don't you kind of, I mean, you have, that's a fabulous story about your son Pierce. Um, and so again, clearly that had to have a big impact on you stepping out of your professional role at Amgen and then starting this new, new program. You know, maybe I'll just kind of go to what I call was the deciding factor for me. And the, the switch really and, and why why I left and, and took kind of the, the leap of faith was that I, th I think that there are probably few people out there that understand, you know, at least on my end, the, the industry and the competitive nature of working in an environment that is evidence-based. But once you have evidence, you commercialize your product. Right. And coming from background of life sciences and appreciating all of the efforts to actually improve access, improve education, work and partner with advocacy organizations, and then going straight into the, the situation of really understanding that patient perspective, I found that, that there was an information gap. And I was very fortunate, I mentioned UCLA. I started off in the UCLA Anderson uh, Accelerator to now I know it was more incubation stage, but to actually start formulating what my idea was and saying, you know what, there is a way to actually leverage information that's out there from an industry that is extremely competitive to help basically patients understand what their options are, to partner with advocacy organizations to start pooling the resources so that when a nurse navigator is dealing with a newly diagnosed patient, they have more than just brochures to be able to promote the services that are truly available for patients and their caregivers, and then give the caregivers and the patients the utility of what going through a cancer diagnosis is truly like. How do I actually navigate through the really tough parts of the decisions that ultimately come from the patient in terms of how we want to navigate through? And in the, in the pharma world and, and in other parts, you know, we call that patient-reported outcomes and patient-reported performance measures. And there is... And, and a vast amount of literature around information, and yet the utility to actually have a centralized area to access all of that doesn't exist. And so I joined and created Rabble Health. I have a co-founder, so we're two female, two female founders, which I think is pretty remarkable in the digital health space. My co-founder, Kimberly Tableman, was a former head of digital clinical trials at GSK. And she wanted to make clinical trials accessible for all. And so we joined forces. We've created myrabble.com, which is a, um, it's, it's going to be a web app, an Android app, and an iOS app. We're targeting to launch in the February timeframe. We want to give patients the utility that they deserve right at the point of diagnosis to navigate and access the resources 
that they deserve. Agnostic of any insurance, agnostic of any institution. It's how do we actually start packaging this together? How are you reaching these people? I mean, how are they finding out about you, I guess I should say? That's one of the challenges, again, that I, as patients, especially when you hear the words, you have cancer, go on Dr. Google, as you say, and kind of look around. But, you know, again, you've got so many things that you're being bombarded with that trying to even know how to go or where to go to ask these questions or look for this information. What is your outreach strategy? It always comes back to, you know, actually nurse navigators. So how how do we actually help institutions and the professionals that are essentially responsible for really helping patients right at that initial point of diagnosis help? But then advocacy groups. There are amazing advocacy organizations out there that provide that sense of community. I spoke with one earlier last week, actually, called United for Her that gives massages and acupunctures and almost $2,000 worth of services for breast cancer patients. There's so much utility and services and phenomenal groups that are out there that are creating very targeted benefits to patients outside of just kind of beyond the molecule, right? Beyond the drug. And so how do we actually, again, go beyond a brochure? How do we actually start thinking about a mechanism to pool that? And so from an outreach perspective, I'm a huge believer in word of mouth. If we give the right utility for advocacy groups, for frankly, nurse navigators, for advocacy groups, for patients, and for caregivers, that's the business model that's going to succeed. It's always going to be about utility for the patient. My experience with the nurse and staff, and obviously anybody that works inside the provider space, and I'm sure you're quite familiar with this having worked for a pharmaceutical, these people are, they pretty much bar you at the door, do they not? At least that's been my experience. You'd be slightly different because you're not coming at it from the pharma space, but they're a difficult target audience. So this is, I think, where the opportunity of having a patient app, where the business model is not dependent on the institution. Got it. The business model is dependent on the patient. So the patients will actually bring that in and say, hey, by the way. Yeah. So. I've got a rabble water bottle. I've got slippers. <laughs> if an institution, you know, wants to be actually promoting this tech, that's fantastic. But we aren't wavering on being a direct-to-patient app. This is okay. where the patient is in control of being able to actually bring in and identify who their care team members are. So their personal care team members and their professional care team members, but it's ultimately up to the patient in terms of how they navigate. Now it's starting to make really a lot of sense to me as far as Erica's role in this. I don't know a better patient networker than Erica (laughs) Hanson-Brown. That is her definite forte, for lack of a better word. So Erica, give us a little bit of insight from your end. How do you see supporting Rabble Health with your hacker lab? I really want to talk to Aubrey's decision about patient referral marketing. I totally deeply believe in if the patient doesn't refer to refer my, my product to other patients, then I haven't really done my job. I'm not really serving the patient world. That's how I started Colon Town. It was strictly, first of all, as you recall, I had absolutely no money anyway. What I had to do was to create a brand that, that people resonated to, patients resonated with. And I did, and that's called Colon Town. And then I had to nurture 
uh, the growing network of patients. And I did that. And I taught people how to nurture other people. I am a big believer in the idea that if there's a problem, a community provide, provides a solution to that problem. And I had a problem personally. I had a diagnosis of cancer and I had no one to talk to to find out how they survived. So building a community is a survival tactic, actually. And that was certainly mine. Now, Aubrey, we want to help Aubrey with our accelerator, which is called the, the Cancer Hacker Learning Lab. And Brad Power and I, the, my co-founder, are stumbling along meeting fascinating people like Aubrey and trying to define from them what their needs are so that we might help through our connections and our industry knowledge to an experience actually to, to help guide and accelerate the growth of the businesses that we're inviting into our network. The Cancer Hacker Learning Labs is actually a network, another community that I'm creating. I hope that isn't too big a story to answer your very simple question. Yeah, but can you be a little more specific as far as, so with with what Aubrey just shared as far as how they're, how she's going about to reach out to this community, how are you blending your your two purposes All together? At this point, I'm I'm starting to introduce Aubrey to people who can help her. We're going to build upon that list. And then, and then another thing that I'm going to throw in there, I'm a big namer, obviously. Uh, I'm a branding person, not by background, but by inclination. One of the, my first questions of Aubrey was, what does Rebel stand for? What does that mean? And I want to help her specifically in getting the word out about what it really means. Well, she's kind I'm of a rabble rouser, isn't she? Yeah, <laughs> she's totally a rabble rouser. And, and it makes I total sense to me. Rouser. We're going to build a network around Aubrey. All right. Well, we've just got a couple of minutes left. So I want to go back to Aubrey. Thank you, Erica. First of all, thank you so much that you helped uh, shed some insight on, on the connection. Aubrey, you mentioned earlier that you're cancer agnostic. So where's your, where, where, where's your first plunge? Yes, we're starting in Memphis, uh, specifically in breast cancer. Wow. And, Memphis, um, good old Memphis. Elvis Presley. Home of Elvis Presley. That's right. It's also home of the, the National uh, Civil Rights Museum, which is incredible mm. if you have a chance to go. For us, focusing on Memphis was completely intentional, specifically in breast cancer. Rabble is, a lot of people say rabble rousers, but rabble is also a name for a swarm of butterflies. And oh. so there's a recognition that diagnosis might feel like you're alone, but there's a lot of people around you that have been in a similar journey. And that's important, uh, particularly when we're talking about health disparities. My belief is that an app that actually serves as essentially information logistics to help cancer patients and their loved ones understand what their options are, how to navigate, full on addresses health disparities we're able to actually start to identify which are the specific diagnostics that a breast cancer patient would need, what are the different services, how can we help with transportation. We are starting to address and taking you know, the steps. I, I don't wanna overpromise, we are a startup here. 
but us focusing on Memphis, which was listed as one of the top cities with the worst disparities in African-American women compared to their Caucasian breast, breast cancer counterparts. We're, we're focusing on Memphis. We're focusing on breast cancer patients. It's time that people had the utility in their fingertips to understand what their options were and are through a cancer diagnosis. Fantastic. I just absolutely love what I'm hearing. How can somebody get a hold of you? Yeah, thank you. I have a LinkedIn profile. You can look up Aubrey Kelly. Uh, You can also follow us on on LinkedIn for uh, Rabble Health. And then Miss Erica Hanson-Brown, how about you? Well, you can always find me on LinkedIn as well. And my email is foundingmayor at colontown.org. Perfect. Well, ladies, it's been a real true pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your stories, and most of all, what you're doing and the outcomes that are going to be ahead of you. Beautiful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm Randall Broad, and that is our sessions for today. Thank you for joining. Mm-hmm.